Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to First City Church. If you're new here, thank you so much for coming and being a part of our worship this morning. I pray God blesses you, and I pray that you have a wonderful Merry Christmas. I am so excited about our Christmas. If you're excited about Christmas, just raise your hand and let me know. How many of you have family coming into town? Raise your hand if you have family coming into town. How many of you are going out of town? Wow, a bunch of you. God bless you. Be safe. Travel safely. Come back safely. And uh, we'll see you in the new year. I'm so excited because... Suzanne's sister, Cindy, is coming to our house, and uh, she spends every Christmas with us. For the first time in at least two decades, I'm going to have Christmas with my mother. She's coming into town, you know, this year, so that's fantastic. Our daughter is here, and she's going to be at our house, and our son, Jonathan, and our daughter-in-law, Nicole, and guess who they're bringing with them? Have I told you I have a grandchild? Yep, okay. They're coming, and they're going to be with us, and so... We're going to have four generations in our house. I am so much looking forward to Christmas this year. It's going to be different. It's going to be fun. I pray you have a blessed, merry Christmas and be safe. Now, at the end of our worship service today, we're going to be sharing in communion together. And so I want you to be thinking about that the whole time that we're in the middle of our message with what God has put on my heart to share with you. And so the way that we've been doing a communion since COVID is we have these cups and they're sealed. And so at the end, and if, if you've never experienced this before, I just want you to go ahead and know what we're going to do because I won't spend too much time explaining it at the end of worship. But everything we do is about Jesus Christ. Everything I'm going to say today is, a, is to be in honor of him. Not just his birth, but his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And communion is the celebration of everything Jesus, especially what we call the good news, the gospel. How he died for our sins and set us free and now has gone to heaven and is preparing a home for us. Amen? And so at the end, the only way really, unless we just pass them all out to everyone, is for you. We'll all stand up at the same time and I'll let you come and grab a cup. They're up front, they're in the back, they're upstairs. And as a family, I really want you to be with a friend or someone next to you or as a family, and we'll all share in that communion together as one symbol of unity around Jesus Christ as we exit today. Is that okay with you? So be thinking about that as we get into our message. We started this series, Down to Earth, a couple of weeks ago, and the whole series has wrapped around the nativity scene. And Taryn has done such a great job of explaining, okay, I mean, we have this scene. They weren't really all there at the exact same time. It looks a little different than what is pictured, and we've covered all of that. And if you want more information about that, I just encourage you to go back and listen to the past two messages. But as we gather around the birth of Jesus, and as we witness and watch this nativity scene, you are represented in that picture. You're represented there. There were the wise men. This was the first message that we had that Taryn gave. And the wise men were the ones who saw the star. And they came and they're like, hey, where is the boy, you know, the, the king? Where is he? We saw the star. We saw the sign. And there are those of you who are here today who are always looking for the things of God. You're the one who, I'm, I'm always looking. I'm looking to see where is God and where is he working and what is he doing and how can I go and join a, a movement of God I want my life to be a part of something God has his hand in. And maybe that's you. 
and you've been chasing after God and you want him to chase after you and you're represented. Maybe you're like the shepherds. The shepherds were not known for the way that they always chased after God or their wisdom. As far as the social status, they were near the bottom. So nobody really respected them. However, the one thing that a shepherd did was loved people well. And the things that were valuable to people, especially sheep, because they played such an important role in the reconciliation, the forgiveness of sin for all of you know, God's people. And they said, we will watch your sheep and we will give our lives to make sure they are good. And so shepherds loved people well. And they sacrificed their life to be a blessing to other people. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're like, I'm not the one who knows everything about the Bible. I'm, my Bible knowledge really isn't as great as it could be or maybe even should be. But one thing I do is I love serving people. I love serving God. And I want to give my life to the service of others. If that's you, you're represented around the birth of Jesus. And today we're going to talk about two people who did both of those very well. Joseph and Mary. And then next week, we're really going to honor Jesus. So today, I just want us to look at Joseph. And then I want us to look at Mary. And I want us to begin to see how real change in this world began with them. And I want you to walk out of here believing that God wants to do something in you that will be a positive change. Maybe not even just for your own life, but for those that you influence around you. God wants to use you to do something special in the lives of other people. Amen? And so as we look at Joseph, this is how we're going to be in Matthew 1, and, and then we're going to go for Mary into Luke chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles or you have your cell phones, you want to follow along. And I'm uh, reading here Matthew chapter 1. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Seems to, something seems to be wrong with that picture. If, if we're not talking about God, that would not make sense, would it? It makes sense to us because we really know the rest of the story. But if you're Joseph and you're hearing this and beginning to see this for the very first time, something's not right with this picture. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, the way that they did engagement and dating and marriage is different in their culture than it is in ours, but they were a couple, and they were, in fact, in this stage of their relationship, they acted as if they were legally married. And in the eyes of their culture, they were. Now, the Bible says that Joseph was a righteous man, and he finds out that his wife is pregnant. Now, if you're reading the whole story, you see that this angel in, in Luke comes to Mary, tells her she's going to be pregnant, that she's going to have God's son, and it's going to be a miracle. And then she goes away to see Elizabeth for three months. And when she comes back, she's showing. And Joseph knows I was I was not there for all of this. Now the law said that Mary was to be stoned. They took this 
very seriously in their culture. Being a righteous man, it means that the law of God was important. He loved God with all of his heart. And that was very important to him. And he was very obedient to it. But he's now conflicted because he loves Mary. And he doesn't know what to do. He certainly knows he's not going to stone her. And just trying to figure it out, he's like, at the least, I don't want her to be hurt. And so he was deciding to do this quietly. As he considered this, so I don't know how long he was pondering over it, thinking over it, maybe days. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. It's a miracle of God. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Amen. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. And when Joseph woke up. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. What a good man Joseph is. Amen. To be a righteous man and to love other people and to get up from a dream and to just say, I'm going to be obedient. And you know he was questioned. When other people looked around and they heard the story, and this is, they've never heard anything like this before. It'd be like someone coming up to you and making the same claim. How'd you get pregnant? I don't know. It must be a God thing. Would you not question it? And it's like, well, if I can't trust him with this, I don't know if I can trust him with anything. But he did not care what other people thought. He was obedient to God. And he covered his wife well. And so as we just look in Joseph, I want you to see two things. One, what you believe defines who you are. Joseph, at the beginning of it, all he could see is what he could see. <laughs> he believed what he knew. But God came to him and said, there's more to it than what you can see. There's more going on here than just what you can understand, and I'm asking you to trust me. Now, you've heard the quote of what you believe influences what you do, and what you do creates your habits, and your habits define who you are. And so what you believe defines who you are. What do you believe about God? Do you believe his word to be true? Do you believe when he says, do this or don't do that, do you follow it because you know he has your best interests at heart? And does your belief system shape what you do and create new habits so that you become different? And so for Joseph, it was all about that. Now, second to this, it's Joseph had to get past what he could see. And so, I wrote this down, vision teaches us how to see beyond the wall. 
Now, there are notes in front of you if you care to take notes. If you're a note taker, if you like writing notes, write notes. Even if you don't, I want you to get that piece of paper out in front of you. I want to do an illustration with you. I want you to get that piece of paper, the, the notes in front of you, and put it in front of your face just like this, about this close so that it's pretty much all you can see. All right? And just hold it sideways so that's all you can see is what's in front of you. That becomes your reality. This is what I know about my life. This is what I know about this church. This is what I know about God. This is what I, this is what I know. This is what I can see. And it's all I can see. But what this message is telling you is there's something beyond what you can see that is God. And just like Joseph, what God wants to do is he wants to remove Whatever it is in front of us that we think we see and open us to the greater reality of what he wants to do. One thing we've been talking about, and uh, we'll have a message about this that Taryn will give us on in January, is we have a bigger vision for what God wants to do with this church than just where we are. And right now, we can see, all we can see is the room that looks like this and uh, our children's ministry and our foster care ministry and our ministry to other people and hurting families and that's what we see. But can you get a vision of, uh, of a room full of 500 people? Can you get a vision of maybe even a room that looks different than this full of 1,000 people? Can you get a vision of a church that's reaching out to the most hurting families in our community and that they're going to be coming here and worshiping God with all their heart and finding life. Can you see beyond what, where you're sitting right now and begin to get a larger vision of something greater that God may want to do? Can you see that? Because it won't happen until we see it. Because what we believe defines who we are. And I'm going to tell you, starting this next year, we have a ministry, we have a system, we have a program that is intentionally beginning to run after the most vulnerable families in our community. And we're so excited about it, we can hardly stand it. Because we have a vision of something greater that God wants to do in our community. What about you in your life? What about with your children? What is it that you see in front of you? What is it that has you right now just kind of, I'm hurting. Because this is all I can see. But can you get a bigger vision of what God wants to do in you? or in your family, or in your children, or in your finances, or in your career, or with your health? Can you get a bigger vision? Because it began with Joseph. God did something brand new in our world. And it started with Joseph believing that there was more to the story than what he could see. So I don't want to go any further until you begin to just... Ask yourself, do I believe there's more to the story? Does God want to do more inside me than what I've allowed up to this point? And as we go into a new year and into a, a, a brand new part of your life and my life, will you begin to get a God vision for what can happen? The Bible says that Joseph was a righteous man and he loved his wife. A righteous man. He loved God with all of his heart. And he loved Mary more than he loved himself. Later, Jesus would grow up and people would ask him, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? 
And his answer was to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, might. And the second, like it, is to love your neighbor as yourself. He didn't know that just because he was the son of God. He watched his father demonstrate that every day of his life. He was a righteous man, and he treated people with kindness. Fathers, dads, men, when people look at us, is that the way we live? When they describe you, would they say, he is a righteous man, and he is kind and loving to all those around him? That's Joseph. And it starts with you. It starts with me. And that's the vision that God, get that vision. Men, I want you to get the vision that like Joseph, you're a righteous man. Love the word of God with all your heart. Stand on it. And love the people around you well. And you're represented at the birth of Jesus. And then tell me about Mary. In Luke chapter 1, the Bible says that in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to, be a, to, be, uh, to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. We're reading the same story now as told by Luke. Gabriel appeared this time to Mary and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, she was shocked by this. She was confused, disturbed. Mary tried to think, what could the angel mean? What, what do you mean, favored woman? God is with you. What have I done? Am I in trouble? What happened? You know, why is he saying that I'm favored? And so he answers her, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. And he will be very great. And will be called the son of the most high God. You know, I love that the angel's given her a vision for that. Because, you know, when you become pregnant, you wonder, will my child be healthy? Will my child be successful? What, what are they going to be when they grow up? Will I create a home that's going to begin to not only set them free, but give them the discipline and the vision? Will I give them the resources? What is my child going to be when they grow up? We've had several births here lately in our church. You know, and I know for young parents, it's like, what can we do? To make sure that they're blessed by God. And, and what are they going to be when they grow up? And we begin to pray that over them. God, keep them safe and lead them toward you. And let them do something in your name with all of their life. So the, the angel's given Mary a vision for this. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary said, whoa, stop, pause. I've hit a roadblock. How can this happen? I'm a virgin. How can I get, remember, it's, listen, <laughs> I got a roadblock. All I can see is I've never been there, done that. And I don't understand how this can come true. And God says to her, the angel said to her, listen, it's a miracle of God through the Holy Spirit. And he's, miracles happen all the time. And do you think this is too big of a deal for God? That he can't come over you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby will be born, will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. 
And Mary did not understand it all. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. Aren't you glad you're not Elizabeth? Aren't you? <laughs> People used to say she was barren. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. God be praised for everything. Amen. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. That is unbelievable. Mary knows people aren't going to understand. When I tell them the story, they're going to look down on me. They're not going to trust me. They're not going to be able to see it. I can tell them that an angel came and told me. I can tell them it's all of God. But it's the path that God has chosen for me is not going to be fun. And I may have to walk it alone. I may get to a place and nobody may open up their door. So I may get and find there's no room in the inn. But may the word of the Lord be true in my life. I'm just kind of looking around the room. You know, this church has a lot of wonderful godly women, don't we? I mean, men, aren't we blessed to have the wives that we have? Even when they're like, okay, you need to get your stuff together and we need to help me clean house or you need to whatever it is. Aren't we blessed? Change begins with me. Mary demonstrated that. Wow, God's going to do something great. He's going to save his people. He's going to forgive our sins. He is sending his son and he wants to use me. And the world is going to be different from now on. And change begins with me. Does it begin with you? And we have, I'm telling you, man, we have a, not just women, but even men in this congregation, we have a, a lot of you have said, I want to accept what God wants to do in my life, and I want to lead my family. Mary wanted to lead her family in the things of God, and she knew it would be different, and she knew it wouldn't be easy, and she took on that task. She took on that role. And she protected Jesus. And she stood next to her husband. And she was determined that the things of God would be true in her life. Does change begin with you? And this is not just for the ladies. This is for everybody. Maybe you come from a family that's broken, hurting. Maybe there have been generations of things that have happened where there's been abuse or where there's been divorce or where there's been anger or sin or just, uh, you know how family just interrupts good plans? And maybe you come from all of that and maybe you found out that you act like that way more than you want to admit. Do you believe that change can begin with you? Because we run into people all the time who feel like, you know what, this happened and my, you know, my grandfather abused my father, and my father abused me, and next thing you know, I'm doing the same thing. And, but I hate it, and I want to be different. You want a new mantra? Write this down. It's not in my notes. It ran in my family until it ran into me. And you change. You do something different. It ran in my family until it ran into me. And the power of God in me is going to do something different. Then what's happened in the generations past? 
or what's happening, and God is going to do something great, and I want to go with God. It ran into my family until it ran into me, and I'm with God, and we're going to do something new. We're going to do something different. Change begins with me. And close to that is this. Who you are affects generations to come. Mary knew, and we're going we're gonna to hear her song here in just a minute. We're going to just read it. She knew that generations to come would all be transformed because of what God was doing in her. And I want to say this especially for you ladies. You are so powerful and you don't have to be loud. You don't have to always talk about it. You don't have to have a big old platform and get up and declare to everybody what you're doing. You are powerful enough in just the way that you live. And you capture our hearts and you capture our eyes. And we're watching. And when you make a decision that you're going to go with God and that change is going to begin with you. He will expand your influence. Because that's who you are. That's who he's created you to be. There's a story. It's a true story. There's this girl named April. And she is the daughter of a pastor. And she is the sister of another pastor. And she, in her own life, has her own ministry. And she tells a story that, when she, that I read this past week. That when she was younger, at home and young... Her mother and father came home one afternoon and sat her and her brother down and told them that her mother had a very aggressive cancer and that the doctors only gave her a few months to live. And it, she said, it just devastated me. And I didn't know how to take it. And I'm watching my dad. And he said, my dad got up and he picked up my mom and he walked down the hall and into their bedroom. And he sat her down on the floor next to their bed. And just laid her out on the floor. He grabbed his Bible and began reading God's word over his wife. And after he read the word of the Lord over her. He sat his Bible down and he prayed God's word over her. The promises of God, the healing of God, the blessing of God, the goodness of God. Prayed all of that over his wife. And April said, they didn't know it, but I was peeking. I crawled down into the hall and I was looking through the door. And I was just watching them and I was watching what my dad was doing. She said, and then I saw the most amazing thing ever. She said, I saw my mother stand up in front of my father. And she took my dad's Bible on the ground, on the floor. And she literally stood on that Bible. And he, she said, she lifted up her voice and said, Lord God, the only thing standing between me and death is your word. And I choose to stand on your word. And she said, I didn't know how to take that. It just overwhelmed me. And she said, I was just crying. And I went to my room. She said, the next morning I got up. And I walked into the kitchen. 
and there is my mom. She said, my lunch is prepared for school. My mom is cooking breakfast. And she said, and I said, mom, you need to be in bed. You need to be resting. You need to be healing. And she said, my mom turned around and looked at me and said, April, I don't choose to live as a sick woman. I choose to live as a healed woman. And she said, that day, my mom changed my life. Here's the good news. I'm sitting there bawling like a baby. And the good news is, that lady is still alive today, and April is telling her story, right? And April said this. She said, people ask me all the time, what would you have done if your mother would have died? Would you still have this great faith that you have today? And she said, well, I don't know what I would have done, but this is what I do know. I would have stood on the word of the Lord and have every day, and it's independent of what God does in our life. I'm telling you, when my dad heard that same news, and he lived five years, but then his body physically gave way to the cancer, because I watched the way he handled it, I too choose to stand on the word of the Lord. My life is not going to be affected by anything other than God and the power of his word. And I'm asking you to stand on the word of the Lord. I want to share this with you. Luke 2, 19. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. The shepherds went out and said, this story has to be told. And, there's, you know, Jesus is born, the king, God has sent the Savior, the Messiah is coming to the world. All who heard were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. Mary was not the kind of person who had to get up and preach and go and tell everything that she knew. She was a quiet woman, and she pondered things in her heart, some of your Bibles will say. Isn't that the way it is, ladies? Don't you carry a lot of things in your heart? Don't you think about them often, but, but really never talk about them, or rarely will talk about them, maybe with a trusted friend in a quiet place? What are you pondering in your heart? What's on your heart this year? What's, what's got your attention? Is it your children? Is it your family? Is it your health? Right? Is it your future? Is it your career? What, it, what are the things you're pondering in your heart? Listen, God hears you and he sees you and he knows what's in your heart and he is for you and you can trust him. You're standing in your legacy right now. You're standing in your legacy right now. I want to give you another quote. It's not here. Just hitting me in the head. Which happens right there. Every action you take is a step in the direction of the person you want to become. I'll say it again if you want to write it down. Every action you take, every decision you make, every action, every word, every deed, everything you do, every action you take is a step in the direction of the person you want to become. Who do you want to become? How do you want to live? Who do you want to be?
Because every action you take is a step in the direction of the person you want to become. I love this Billy Graham quote. The greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things accumulated in one's life, but rather a legacy of character and faith. Amen. We get so caught up in, you know, what are our children going to inherit and will I have enough for retirement and all that kind of stuff. But it's character and faith that Joseph and Mary passed on not just to Jesus but all their children. And it changed the world. I pray that God is shaping in you the kind of heart and person, life that he can use for noble purposes. And Mary was not one to always talk and always share her heart. But we have in Scripture this one little thing, this one little song that she sang to herself that we've got captured in Luke. Mary responded, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. Oh, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. And he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation. All who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. Here's what I want you to see today. Inheritance is what you leave to someone. Legacy is what you leave inside someone. Mary left a legacy that has changed your life and my life. She gave herself to God. Through her came the Son of God. And through him forgiveness into all the world. And it has changed all of us. Amen. Are you leaving for your children that faith, that legacy... It's not the inheritance, it is legacy, and it changes lives. It started with Joseph and Mary, and now it's your turn. Who are you to the people who follow? The power of Jesus is available to everyone, and God calls us to partner with him. Now it's time for communion.